to the Mammoth Games cast for the week of February 17th. I'm one of your hosts, Night Swarm, and with me, as always, Filter Gordon. How's it going? It is going, man. Uh, how's, uh, how's everything going with you? Yeah, I've been uh, kind of continuing to check out some smaller projects and catch up on some old uh, you know, games. And also, I've been doing some reading, which is kind of unusual. Reading? Yeah. Oh. I'm teaching myself, oh. so it's been kind of tough, but like I've discovered that there is both a red fish and a blue fish. God damn. Mm. Why are they doing so many fish is all I want to know. Yeah, that's a good question. We need um, really I'm asking myself time. that a lot lately. And the only one we need is bronzino <laughs> fish because it's fun to say. Damn. Yeah. Rainbow fish. I'm, I'm building up to be able to read rainbow fish. That's going to be a tough one, I can tell. Yeah. So, uh, I do know the first game that you were going to talk about here is one that we got uh, early access to. Yeah. I uh, got early access to it um, thanks to our, uh, you know, friend and, uh, you know, avid watcher, listener. Uh, Co-conspirator. Grim. Co-conspirator. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he, he was speaking with um, a team. Where is this team from? It's uh, Tortuga. I believe they're Russian. Okay, uh, they had a game. Uh, they had a game release on Steam back on September 30th of last year uh, called Space Land. It just came out on Xbox, and they um, floated us a copy, uh, two copies actually. Um, so we gave one to Grim, and uh, you got the other one. You had a little bit of a chance to sit down and check it out. Um, how'd it go? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. It's a it's an interesting little sort of. Um, I'm sorry, they might be Ukrainian, so that would be insanely uh, offensive if I said Russian, which I did. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a you know medium sized whoopsie doops. We apologize. So um, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of like a XCOMI style strategy. Uh, you can do you know similar things you're used to, like um, you know you have like action points, so you're like moving a certain distance and if you move within that distance you can also shoot or mm-hmm. you can move double the amount of space or you can stand still and shoot twice um there's a lot of different kind of little strategies they lay up with the different like kind of alien enemies and there's a lot of environmental stuff going on too so there's like explosive barrels where you might go um like you know kick an explosive barrel over to a spot where enemies are spawning and blow it up and kind of um you know block that respawn ability that they have in that spot yeah um you might be doing things like trying to poison enemies by making them walk on acid and things like that so okay it's a lot of cool stuff um i'm still kind of you know relatively early on i have like four uh party members i guess um and different missions allow you to take a different number of people in so um right it's really interesting um grim was saying uh some of the pros and cons for him uh he was actually pretty happy with this being kind of like a strategy light game. Yeah. He's not a big strategy guy, and he mm-hmm. did make the really astute observation of like, hey, if you know you are interested in something like XCOM, but you are um, you know, kind of put off by how like deep and detailed it is, this is a good entry point into that yeah. genre. Uh, yeah, for because, sure. Because you know, it is kind of like that light version. Um and it do, you do have, like, a restricted team size, so you're not going in with, like, you know, 20 people that you have to tactically manage or anything like that. Right, right. Um, and uh, one of the things that he pointed out that, uh, like, I kind of took away that I was like, okay. Um, he was, like, super into 
the art style. Mm-hmm. He, he he thought the art style uh, he described it as like uh, you know kind of like an '80s or '90s television show. Okay, and I think that might have been uh, you know also a little in his head on how he was viewing it. Right. Like, yeah, I can I can definitely see what he means by that. Um, it's got like a uh, like medium poly, I guess. Like it's certainly not like uh, a lot of. We've seen a ton of games that are like. Um, you know, very like low poly, meant to be. Um, how am I trying to describe it? It's meant to be very lo fi. Yeah. And yeah. this isn't trying to do that. It's definitely going for more like mid tier, but they're also not trying to do like, you know, 4K ultra realism or whatever. No, no, um, yeah. They, they have, you know, their artists, like their art seems very fluid. Nothing seems like out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and what makes it super easy is for gameplay. Uh, you know everything's on the that that's you know square base. You know you, you like right. th- this is going to take up two squares and it's like a generator, or this is going to take up four squares and it's like a big ass forklift or something. Um, right? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. got the nice square grid. Um, it makes it, I I, I, re- I do like the art a lot because it's kind of like chunky chibi almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, it's not going for like cutesy. Yeah, and then some of the. Um, like outside art is kind of like it, it, it's a little more hand drawn, which mm-hmm. looks cool. Um, yeah. It's a good mix. Yeah, it's a, it's a good mix. The game looks good. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a really good entry point, which I think is very much needed. Uh, yeah. For that, you know, get more people into it. Um, you know, without them having to go into XCOM and you know just get destroyed for like six, you know, six or seven games before they finally understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, the negative, he, he kind of pointed out, he's like, in, it's the same thing. Um, because it's such an entry point, uh, customization is real light. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's not a lot of, like, um, not, not a lot of a chance to, you know, really dig in deep and, and have that fun that something like uh, an XCOM would bring you. Um, but again, good entry point. I don't think that that's a bad thing. Um, ultimately, he ended up giving it uh, an 8.5 out of 10 because he actually really liked it. He doesn't usually like this kind of game. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, uh, so, you know, coming from the opposite direction of, you know, being really into deeper strategy games and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like, I, I do like to do the more, the, the simpler stuff. Like, I've been gearing up to go do another XCOM 2 game. And uh, this is something that definitely, like, gets that vibe across without being like you know spending 45 minutes on a mission because you want to make sure that none of your people get too injured because you need them for your next story mode mission or whatever you know yeah yeah so yeah that's that's definitely uh it's it's very easy to get but complex enough that you don't just instantly get tired of it awesome um and again thanks to uh you know the team um over at uh tortuga for hooking yeah. us up with those two codes. We super appreciate that. You guys can go grab it now on Steam. I believe it's on sale. Let me see on Steam. I think it's like 30% off uh, right yeah. now. Yeah, you can pick up... Um, you can actually pick up their uh, sp- you know, Spaceland for ten forty nine over on Steam. Or That's pretty good. You can pick up the Tortuga Story Pack. Um, it's a bundle. It also comes with their other game called Brave Land, which comes with Brave Land Wizards and Pirates, plus yeah. Space Land for $20.03. 50%. That's pretty good. 
not too bad, not too bad. Um, if, uh, you know, Xbox uh, is your place to play, um, you can pick it up for 20 bucks right now, which is uh, a steal if you have yet to get into this kind of game. It's um, a big world out there, folks, with a okay. lot of strategy games. Um, so, That's you true. know, give yourself that chance and check out uh, Spaceline for sure. Nice. Cool. So what else have you been doing? What else um, been doing? So, yeah, I've been doing a lot of kind of, I guess, a lot of indie stuff lately. Um, so the second thing, uh, I was checking out a, this is a uh, kind of like a, I don't know, more complex city skylines, but on a much smaller scale. A game, it's currently in early access called Workers and Resources, colon, Soviet Republic. Okay. So basically what you're doing is you're running a, a command, uh, a planned economy. Where you are basically like, um, so it's not like a game where sometimes you, your income is based on like taxes in uh, city skylines. So whether or not businesses are successful or making money or whatever, not really your concern. Like you don't pay attention to, you know, when you lay a retail zone, okay, how much money are they making per month in the retail area? Doesn't matter, right? Game doesn't simulate it. So in a, a full planned economy, like, you know, you directly are saying, okay, my cars cost 50 a month to maintain or whatever, right? So he doesn't like you have to, uh, he's right. I mean, 50 is very, very low, right? And uh, so you're like, okay, so I need this truck to move at least, uh, you know, X number of people. So you like buy a bus or something and it's like, okay, I need this bus to move X number of people to work because then when they get to work, they're going to be making exactly you know, 600 units of concrete that we sell to, you know, the, the greater, you know, the Republic or, you know, just a, you know, foreign partners or whatever, mm-hmm. um, could be another city nearby. And each of those makes exactly this much money. And if I sell this many, then I'll be able to run my town. So it's like, uh, it really is almost like you're making a factory on the scale of a city. Right. Huh. And yeah, you could actually have multiple, towns in it where you're like you know you set up let's say a like a farming village in this corner over here because you want to keep it away from all the pollution mm-hmm. and then you set up a you know a mining area yeah, over here like an and then like a, right yeah, you yeah. might have like a centralized housing that has like you know rather than put your housing near work so your workers can walk to work you might put housing in a different area so you can put all the entertainment and restaurants and grocery stores and things like that together and then just ship people off to work. Um, it's very cool. Hmm. It's very interesting. And like so many different, um, like they're kind of showing in the, in the, the trailer, uh, here. trailer here, where like you control the flow of, um, you know, all of the resources everywhere plus how those resources are being moved. So you might have conveyor belts that are carrying things between, you know, two different, um, you know, like a, one factory that's mining and then one factory that's processing, right? So you have conveyor belts set up to just move that shit right down the line. Yeah. And then you might be, uh, oh, we need to ship. Once we process the coal, we need to ship it over to the coal plant. So then you have a custom rail network set up just to take that over there. And then you're like, oh, well, I also want... Um, certain employees to get to a totally different, not just down the street on a bus, but to a totally different city on my map. So you might set up a different train station to just run basically a subway of people from, you know, city one to city two. 
And it, it really is interesting because it gives you just complete control of what's going on, which obviously a lot of these leaders really had. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, the like it looks like uh it looks like an interesting cross between like um like the way like roller coaster tycoon works with people. Mm-hmm. The way that you see them kind of shuffling from place to place and disappearing when they walk into the, you know, like bounds of the area. Um mm-hmm. and then kind of has like an art style of something like uh maybe a little bit lower than what I would expect from like farming simulator. Yeah. Just a yeah, little yeah. lower. It's like it, it really is and like hey, what if yeah, it's like what if uh farming simulator was or like a sim like you managed game. everybody's farm in the whole like county. <laughs> so, um sure. it is definitely interesting. Cool, cool. Uh yeah, so I've been oh. checking that out. It's it needs some more patches. So like patch number like four or whatever added a tutorial. It's like okay, so that's uh, a, a little before. late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, in well, fact, uh, there was a full release so that that'll be good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at least they are going to have it for full release because there's definitely been times that games come out in full release and they don't have a tutorial yet. Yeah. And I've purchased some of those and then I try to get into them and it's like okay, I don't have seventy six years to teach myself how to fucking play this. <laughs> So, thanks, but no thanks. I want my money back. I'm good. So, um, luckily, these guys have done a good job of that. Um, It looks like it says uh, early access releases. uh, Was it March 15th? Yeah. Last year. Oh, that was last year? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. So, it's been out. Okay, so it's been out for a bit. Cool, cool. Yeah. And then the final thing I've been playing, which uh, really more... Uh, researching, which with my uh, ability to look at the pretty pictures, um, I actually got uh, in touch with um, Onyx Path Publishing, which is like a kind of an indie RPG publisher that works with a lot of like D and D stuff. And they've also made like they made the Scion games, which are kind of like superhero ish. Yeah, yeah, uh, a decent group of my friends used to play that back in the day. <clears throat> right. So um, I got involved a little bit talking to uh, one of the guys there and I'm actually going to be trying to dig in and check out a little more of the scarred lands uh, campaign setting. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. It's doing more of like a kind of like, um, it's almost like a Greek mythology thing, but not really where it's like, Hey, there were Titans. They existed in the world. They're like, big boys um the there was like a war with the titans and this caused like a bunch of laws of nature to get fucked up <laughs> um the titans are also like sort of like god level beings so like people worship the um you know some of the titans that exist and there's like the the way that magic interacts with the world is really weird so it's cool because they just went all out with like what if everything was different, right? It really is like when you are, when you're like looking at something and it's like, oh, like Mary Shelley invented science fiction when she wrote uh, Frankenstein. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like straight up like, hey, what if just every rule was different? So like, it's really cool to see something that's just coming from a totally different direction like that. Um, The races are a lot more like monstrous. So they're like, 
several different types of like beast folk. You can play as like the spirit of a soldier that refused to die in war. <laughs> okay. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, they're totally showing a weird. bunch of different stuff. They're showing like some dragon stuff. They're showing like um like a like a genie. They're so showing just a ton of stuff here. Yeah. A lot of a lot of interesting stuff. They they tried to take from other traditional fantasy settings that's other than like Europe. Uh-huh. So, um, that's pretty cool that they were just trying to go for a totally different thing. For sure. For sure. So, um, I'm still definitely checking that out. I'm going to try to set up a game of that, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we have a few that we've talked about that, of course, we need to do um, our um, carbon playthrough. Right. Uh, we have, uh, you were bringing up uh, just doing a regular 5th edition and then hmm. this. Well, this is just runs on 5th edition rules. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about doing a regular 5th edition, though, right? To get, like, a friend to it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot on the horizon there. We just have to set aside that time to make it happen. Right. Cool. Uh, so, that pretty much wraps up everything you've been up to? Pretty much. All right, man. Uh, for me, not a lot different, of course. Um, I continued playing, uh, you know, some Apex, uh, Apex Legends. You know, uh, I think the biggest news with that, uh, over in the new area, the Hammond Robotics, they dropped basically mm. a, like a world eater into the map, yeah. and it just created a huge crack across the map. From a distance, there's several videos of what seems to be like a wolf running up the rampways and across the scaffolding. Mm. And no one's ever seen it up close yet. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> at the end of the trailer for Revenant, they showed a girl, um, a little girl, like, out to dinner with her parents. And Revenant comes in, kills the mom. The dad puts the daughter in an elevator, and, you know, she goes down. And then the dad just gets fucking obliterated by Revenant. Dang. At the end of the trailer, it shows a little girl crying over her dead parents, like, lifeless corpse. Um, but in the beginning of that, the father gave the daughter a gift, which was like a little, like, um, like, little wolf statue. Mm. And uh, it keeps harking back to something they found early in the code when the game released called, uh, it just kept saying, um, Loba. Which mm -hmm. uh, means wolf and something. So, in my mind, what I'm thinking, we keep seeing this wolf run around. There's a lot of wolf stuff, a lot of Loba things going around. I think that this little girl is going to come back to get revenge on Revenant. And she's going to be able to transform into, like, a wolf to move faster. Hmm. Which could be rad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I haven't been playing too much of it. But, um, you know, I played uh, a little bit, saw some of that stuff, thought it was good. They're doing a little bit, like, building and storytelling. Um, so, uh, that's pretty cool. I really, really, for whatever fucking reason, got into The Sims a lot. Uh, like, a lot more. <laughs> Just kept playing The Sims, you know, creating people, watching them die. Uh, you know, it, good times. I think I created The Addams Family and Dr. Evil. I mentioned Dr. Evil before. After that, I created The Addams Family. Um, nice. And then I, you know, was just playing through with them, which was uh, interesting. And then when I went back to Doctor Evil, um, uh, Gomez and Morticia got super old, and the kids grew up. And I was like, I don't like this. No, 
They need to stay young forever. Um, but I didn't have any control. You don't have any control over that. You know, if you play another character, the other people that you're not playing are going to progress in age and then die. Um, so I played that for a little bit. Nothing too fancy there. I think probably the most interesting thing that I finally picked up and played was Dreams. Mm. Dreams is cool. Mm. Um, Dreams is exactly what you think it is when you're thinking like, hey, what is this massive thing that you know, this massive thing that's like you can create anything. And that's really how it feels. Um, I've just been doing tutorials. I have yet to even click the dream surfing button, um, which allows you to like look around and see other people's created things in dreams. Um, there's mm. some good stuff out there already. Some open world gr- uh, games created by other users, like fully open world. Um, and then, you know, like several, several other things, some media molecule created stuff. Um, I'm honestly, like I said, I haven't even done that yet. I'm just going through tutorials, seeing what it's like to control, um, you know, what the controls are like in the game, how everything works. Uh, and it's, it's tutorial heavy. They have beginner, advanced, and then uh, master class tutorials teaching you how to do everything from, um, like, basically, like, budgeting, like, uh, or like creating audio to um, graphs to how things work mechanically with gameplay to art. Um, so yeah, literally everything is you know open to you here. Um, but yeah, across this next week, I'm pretty excited to sit down and um, continue that, and then probably take a break because I've just been you know just trying to do, like I'm treating this kind of like a how I would treat like a program like Maya or Substance where I'd sit down and just, you know, create with it. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember that this is a game and I can take a break and go actually play something in this that someone else has created or Media Molecule has created. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, pretty cool. I know you said you might be, or you may may pick this up. I'm super interested. Um. I was going to kind of, I was like really waiting to see some reviews and everybody on earth is like, Hey, it's going to take us six years to review dreams. Cause it's so much. <laughs> well, I mean, you could do something interesting here. Like yeah. you could take, um, like if you picked up the game and you're like, okay, I want to focus on creating the gameplay. Mm. You could create the gameplay for something and then you could upload it and then I could pick it up and then I could create yeah. the art for it. And then we can put it back down, and someone can create the music for it. And, you know, you guys can continue to piggyback like that, which is really cool. Hmm. Um, So you can't work together on the same thing, like, at the same time, but you can always upload what you've completed and then leave it for, you know, whoever you could be working with, theoretically. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, just like with creating a normal game, one of the big things that you really have to focus on is, um, you know, atmosphere, lighting, camera. Um, You can have everything look fairly similar. You know, like Mm -hmm. you could look at these same things from a different angle and it would look much different. Um, But, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm really excited to get into this uh, across this, you know, next week or so. I'll have a lot more to share, I think, uh, at that point. Super interesting. Yeah. 
<laughs> all right, but that's pretty much all I have. I, I've been playing some, you know, I've been playing some indie games. There's an indie game on here, uh, or not indie game, um, Apple Arcade game. Um, mm. And I think I'm gonna do um, my Apple Arcade reviews. You know, I might talk about them a little here and there on the show, but I think I'm gonna try to review one a week for our, you know, for the um, the website. Uh, if you guys are not aware, you can actually head over to mammothgamesinc.com. You can check out our website. There's not a ton to see yet, but across this next week, there will be more. Um, articles mm-hmm. will be going up from um, you know ourselves, of course, contributors. Um, you can also uh, you know check out our YouTube by clicking the watch, um, or you can go to our listen section and check out every podcast that we've. Uh, post this comes directly from our Podbean, so everything is right here for you uh we even have a new neat about section um there'll be more added to that i think here soon so just you know keep your eyes on it and uh you know thanks guys thanks for coming over and checking that out for sure we um super appreciate it because we were pretty unsure if this was even something that we should be you know venturing into um just because like do we really have the like listener base for it um as well don't forget nothing will change you can head over to facebook.com backslash mammoth games and check out all the top news and video game stuff over there as well and you can follow us on twitter at mammoth games inc so you know we go live and do junk just like this we like all the, we appreciate all the likes comments and shares so um as always thanks for that too um, we do not have much in the way of games releasing. We have yeah. two ports and then one actual game releasing. Um, so, uh, do you know too much about this one? Um, I know just enough to, uh, having done a little research, to know that I'm interested but skeptical. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, on, on uh, the 17th, Corruption 2029. It's releasing on the Epic Store first. Um, this is coming from the bearded ladies that made Mutant Year Zero. Hell yeah. So, they've got enough street cred to get me to check it out, right? Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's weird. I, I like Mutant Year Zero. I know you liked it. Um, even yeah. Grimm. That was what he was kind of getting into right around Yeah, another game that, that um, he was shockingly interested in. Yeah, relatively simple, um, you know, tactical uh, I think Mutant Year Zero is probably a little bit more complex than uh, Space Lander, but sure. uh, is that right? Did I say the right name? Space Land. I keep wanting to say Space Lander, but I don't know why that is. Skylanders, maybe. Um, but yeah, so you think this you know, is a little closer to Mutant Year Zero? This might be going even a little further than that because oh, it okay. definitely has the look of like an XCOM two. They're going again. I mean, to compare. Uh, they're going for the more realism, right? Yeah, it looks um, great. Definitely some of the lighting, like that final picture in the show more. Yeah. Um, that has the ambush or whatever. Like the lighting is amazing. The like debris in the ground is really cool. Um, I'm, I'm for sure. interested to see this, but I'll probably wait and see if it like comes to Game Pass or something. Yeah, um, this it, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, like the look and the feel kind of remind me of like um, Satellite Rain. Mm-hmm. Satellite Rain. Yeah. Yeah, it's what that one's right. called. The cyberpunk uh, turn-based strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's got the kind of, like, weird cubic uh, armor and stuff. Yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. kind of, like, cut off in that weird way. Blocky. It's really yeah. good, though. Um, 
Cool. So then, other than that, uh, that's that's definitely interesting. Twenty bucks on Epic, not bad. Yeah. Um, not bad at all. So following up, we have two ports coming out, which I think we might just create like a ports section, so we don't have to linger too long on it. Yeah. Um, Hunt Showdown's coming out on PS4 on the 18th of this month. Uh, Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition's coming to Switch on the 20th. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Hunt has been out for a while. Um, I know you and I played it. I played it with another friend as well, and we had a mm. you know decent time. It was during it like a free weekend or whatever. Yeah, I was um, definitely not into it. It's it. I mean, it's kind of a hard game to get into because it's it is one of those things where you know you're fighting against other people and you're fighting against mm. uh, you know AI. Uh, the AI is not strong, but the point is to take down that AI and then escape. So it kind of becomes a whole thing. Yeah. Um, of course, Devil May Cry three. It's just coming to the Switch. It's nothing too different. Um, so it is the one that, that uh, yeah, it has the ability to play as what's the other brother's name? Virgil. Virgil. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean. It. it it's Devil May Cry three. It. It's cool. These a these <laughs> games do not age well. No. No. The the look. I mean, it's not. It could be. Could be worse. It's. It's yeah. not one of those things like I picture it in my head as it was much better, because I don't. Yeah. I, I I remember it looking exactly like. I this. know exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much all we had there. Uh, when we pop into uh, the old nudes, uh, the first sure. big thing to speak of uh, would be a Bioware commenting on how they're going to upgrade an Anthem. Yeah, so Casey Hudson came out and made this big blog post. Uh, basically, it was like, hey, a year ago, we were getting ready to launch Anthem. Uh, it was a big leap into new territory for us. It was exhilarating and terrifying. Um, and then the internet burned you to the ground. <laughs> yeah, over the last year, the team's worked really hard to improve stability, performance, general quality of life. While delivering new seasons of content and features, we also heard your feedback that we need more satisfying loot, better long-term progression, and more fulfilling endgame. Uh, so we recognize there's still more fundamental work to be done to bring out the full potential of this experience. Um, notice that their background image is Dragon Age Inquisition, the last good game they made. <laughs> That's kind is of funny. It? Oh, I'm trying to see it. Yeah, oh, it is. Can... It is. Yeah. 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 I had to scroll to the bottom to be able to see the... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over the coming months, we'll be focusing on a long-term redesign of the experience, <clears throat> specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop. That's important. I mean, not only that, but that's directly saying uh, the game we put out sucks. Yeah, like, hey, we recognize that this is shit. We tried to make it not shit, but we can't make Didn't it work. not shit. So let's yeah. go ahead and go ahead and um, go back to the old drawing board on that one. So, I mean, they even say right here, while preserving the fun of flying and fighting in a vast science fantasy setting. So they're saying, hey, the setting and the gameplay game is not going to change. We're going to completely rework the rest of the game around. I hope that they just come out with a whole new story and everything. Yeah, that yeah, that's what and it you means. can you could still preserve a lot of those characters acting and everything, which I think they did a good job of. Yeah, they did a good job on that. Um, especially the like British like you know shaved head like sidekick, I yeah. think was really funny and like um, I, there's a lot of stuff that like that was Anthem good. was a game where like when you take a five minute look at it, it looks really good. Sure. And then when you sit down to play it for three hours, it sucks. Yeah, like well, <laughs> it completely falls apart on a bigger. Uh, the bigger look that you get at it, the worse it is. Yeah, basically, like, I, I like if the you first look at the hour. right, if you look at the total experience of the game of like um, getting to the end game, and then I guess some of the original end game content is like you know, if you look at that entire chunk, it's horrible. If you look at 
a basic session of sitting down and playing it, maybe with a friend or two, mm-hmm. it's all right. It's okay. If you look at a thir- a thirty minute section, it's good. Right. So it's like they really are right that it's the core gameplay loop is busted. They really need to, I think, just go back and look at their original design docs. That's like, okay, you have a mobile base that has allies that you work with frequently, and you go into your base and talk to them. Bring that back. Yeah. Uh, you have a little, you know, you're working with these different factions to increase your, how much they like you uh, based on doing their missions and not doing other people's missions. They need to bring that back. That exists, Fine. but as such a... Such surface a level thing. It's like, kill five pterodactyls. And then when you kill five, it's like, every group likes you more now. Yeah. And it's like, that's that's just completely sucks. Yeah. So, um... We need more go shoot down their shit to piss them off yeah. so the other team likes you. I mean, not, not even necessarily that, but... I do like the idea of the mobile base. I really like the idea of still having, like, the cities, but you're not part of that city. You're right, just, you're, you're you show there. up to the city to do a job, and, but that's it. Yeah, and, and they're like, oh shit, it's, you know, it's a, what do they call them? Um, like, what do they call those guys? Like, oh, you fly, a, a, like, a javelin. Like, yeah, they're like, they're called, like, mercenary Hunters or something, or something. Like yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I like that, you being kind of the mysterious group of people that have a mobile, like, mobile base. It's kind of, almost like you're a like a neutral bounty hunter you know mm-hmm. or yeah. like an assassin or something that's coming to town yeah, to the water trying to find drink. exactly what they freelancer freelancer yep yeah. i was like he's around there somewhere um, i knew it was something like that <laughs> the story that they were kind of telling was okay but it's so overdone we've done it a million times you know hey correct you have here's your character and you have this apprentice oh the apprentice is now the bad guy and then now you got to take him down and oh you're you know he's killing off your friends like it's yeah. it's so regurgitated and just old like i don't even think it's their first time telling that story well not only that but it's like um the the way that it's the story is delivered is like i mean they have like what two cutscenes in the whole game <laughs> coming from a uh, studio that like yeah. pioneered conversational technology right yeah i mean like they, they invented have... the shot reverse shot technique for mass effect the, i mean they still have a little bit of that conversational stuff in there but it's like what is it it's, effect it doesn't impact yeah. anything right so um definitely yeah something i would i i would put uh you know uh, like a bullet point next to that this is what we need to do um yeah they have, they have a lot of work to do and i don't think this is going to be something that's going to be fixed this year I think this mm. is going to be something they're going to have to work on for at least a year. Um, just to yeah. get everything. I mean, they have all of the main pieces there. You know what I mean? Just they're, they're, they they, they got to put the puzzle back together. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it is really interesting. And I've, I've seen the stuff that's like, it is rare that a company gets a second chance like this. And oh, the second yeah. chance is always at the behest of the publisher. So like, this is EA saying, you know what? We think the anthem might have actually had something, so we're going to give you another shot at it. What I think um, it is is that EA is like, "Hey, we tanked a lot of money into this, so don't fuck it up a second time." Like, I don't. I mean, EA has just fucking pulled the plug and walked away before. I mean, this is just putting more money into the same project, right? But I mean, I, I'm trying to think that have they done that with Bioware? Like, Bioware is a big dick for them. 
I don't know. They're so, like, they've never pulled the plug on a Mass Effect. This is the first thing that BioWare has, like, branched out that EA could pull the plug on. Well, EA did pull the plug on Mass Effect Andromeda. So Mass Effect Andromeda was going to have DLC. Yeah. There was going to be story DLC to continue the campaign and add additional content, and they said, nope, not happening. Well, I just, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, an op- like an IP in general. Like, Mass Effect I has been around. It's had some pedigree. You know, it's, it like, Mass Effect is one of the, Mass Effect 2 is one of the best games of 20, you know, the last 10 years. Ever, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, we can't pull the plug on that. I mean... I would not put anything past EA. I mean, I mean, mean, again, I'm I'm surprised every day that they're not just like, "Hey, we shut Bioware." Yeah, that's like, that's very true. So yeah, but but pulling the plug on a whole IP after its first, you know, after its first game or maybe its first two games or something. Yeah, like that. Neither one of them have been successful. Like in this case, like I'm surprised they didn't just pull the plug. But I also feel like, like yeah, we could, we need to make some money on this. And no, no, I think EA is like believes in Bioware. I think still a little. Hmm. I think there's a level two of like this is gonna get them a lot of goodwill that they probably need. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, EA has been sticking to stuff. So like, they really stuck to Star Wars Battlefront two, yeah. and that made a huge turnaround. It's it's turned around a bit. Yeah, like I've even wanted to play it a bit more. I saw like a modder yeah. he created uh, a um, for BB-8. He did a, a different skin that was the child from Mandalorian, <laughs> and he's just running around like shocking people and using force moves. It's pretty funny. That one's out there. Look look look, look that one up, folks. For sure. All right, so we'll go ahead and move on forward. Actually, I don't know too much about this one. This was one that you'd put up there. Um, yeah, so um, basically, uh, so 2K had kind of been talking about some of their other pushes they were making here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did, uh, I, I mean, basically, I think they were like trying to show people that they're still working on stuff after Red Dead 2 came out. <laughs> so uh, last year, we heard that um, 2K Silicon Valley studio was opening. Uh, with uh, Michael Condry from uh, Sledgehammer uh, as the president. So uh, they've... Uh, re- basically, they just rebranded so that they had an independent name. So 2K Silicon Valley has changed its name to 31st Union, which is pretty cool. That's kind of cool. not sure. That's definitely a california e reference. Yeah. I mean, um, it has got all the bear bits. in it. Yeah, it has all the bits there. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what they're referencing here. Um, so if you search 31st Union online, 31st Union is a restaurant in San Mateo, California. So that's pretty funny. Farm to table restaurant. Wow. Oh, right. Interesting. Nice. So I think, was was California the 31st state? Because that seems really early. Well, let's find out. Let's find out. California was the 31st state. That's interesting. Weird. So, that's unusual. It seems like a really early number, considering it is the last one on the fucking coast. September 9th, eight, huh. uh, 1850. 1850, 1850 seems 1850. very recent. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they also are... Um, so, 31st Union is also starting up a European division, which is based in Spain. So, very weird that these people in Spain have to go to work at a place that is explicitly named California. California, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of unusual, but cool. Um, no additional details have been announced yet about their 
their uh, game, but Tyler McCowd, head of strategy at 31st Union, has generally described their approach in a press release, quote, We believe diverse perspectives and experiences are crucial to creating a truly global entertainment experience with a deep connection to passionate fans. So that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No. So I'll be interested to see it. It kind of sounds like maybe they might be going in with... Um, did 2K do uh, Mafia 3? Yeah. So they might be getting ready to do a Mafia 4, because remember Mafia 3 was like very much about like the black experience in the South? Yeah. And so maybe they're like, hey, what if we did like... I don't know. This, the, the problem is that you have a lot of chance to be extremely racist if you're not careful, careful with, it. with it. Yeah. So I was going to say, what if they did like, oh, hey, here's like what it was like to be... Uh, Asian in the 1940s or 50s in the the West Coast or whatever, and it's like that has a lot of room to be insanely racist. Like, I, I like I, I like the story that they were putting across with Mafia Three. I just didn't really yeah. like the the, experience. the the gameplay didn't super work, right? No, I mean it was fine. It just I expected more. It had been a while mm. since we had got a Mafia game. Like, I had fond memories of Mafia 2. It just it felt lackluster. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But interesting. Cool idea. And though. then, further shakeups. Uh, this was, I, I mean, like, I fucking, Babe Ruth called the shot on this one. Like, uh-huh. You that pointed to where that was going. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> Not, yeah. I'm making a sport it's, reference it's that telling. I don't really have the ability to do. <laughs> it's telling. Um, so, uh, Drew Karpishin, um, who was a longtime Bioware, like, head writer, uh, he wrote the Darth Bane Star Wars books that are still considered canon, uh-huh. with the, uh, the Rule of Two and everything, with the Sith. Um, he wrote all of the, well, the first several Dragon Age books, and then also the first, uh, Mass Effect books. Um, and he was, you know, head writer on Mass Effect, and I believe... He worked with the Dragon Age team, but not quite as high of a level. Um, yeah. But he went ahead and said, you know, um, last couple of years have been really busy for me, but I'm happy to say that I've been, uh, I've gotten another gig. I'm proud to announce I'm the lead writer for Archetype Entertainment, which was the That's company founded by big. James Olin, who big. of course worked with Drew Garbishin a lot. Um, and, the, you know, the Wizards of the Coast studio that's working on that new sci-fi game. Hell yeah. Oh, it's shaping up, isn't it? Yeah, it's shaping right up. Yeah, it's really coming together. Yeah, um, um, that this I, I feel like archetype is going to be a um, a big name. It's going to take them, you know, five years. Or I so. think that I mean they really have the chance to bust out onto the scene the same way that like um, let's say like CD Projekt had. Yeah, I was going to say where it's like um, okay, we have funding. Mm-hmm. We're coming out with something that is new but you know it in a way you know what i mean like witcher was based on a license but it was totally new to people in the u.s for the most part um you know this is like okay this is this is backed by wizards of the coast which you know brand name and we're doing something new but it's from the guys that made mass effect and it's a sci-fi fantasy rpg yeah (laughs) i mean it has all the yeah it has all of the all the ingredients are here. We just need to see if they can bake it right, basically. What? So, um, just really interesting. He kind of talks about his backstory here, yeah. where he says, "I've been in the industry for twenty years. When I started at Bioware, everything was fresh and exciting. It was a dream job. Talented people working together to create epic games like Baldur's Gate, Knights of the Republic, Mass Effect, and Dragon Age. 
as we grew and became more successful, things changed. We became more corporate. We were less able to make what we love. And the teams were pushed to create games based on market research rather than our own creative instincts and passions. So that's brutal. Yeah. I mean, obviously, very clearly calling some shit out. Yeah. Um, my dream job became just a job, and I lost enthusiasm and excitement. But with Archetype, my passion has been rekindled. The feel in the studio reminds me of the early days at Bioware. Hell yeah. Just that, that line alone is like... Important. Holy shit. Very important. Um, I can feel the magic in the air. Even though I can't get too deep into what we're doing, I can say we're already generating excitement in the industry. I know we have big shoes to fill with Bioware. I was part of a legacy that will endure forever. We created some of the most beloved CRPGs of the past two decades. But I truly believe at Archetype we have the talent and the opportunity to do to do something just as amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And he talks about some of the other stuff that he's done um, in the beginning here where he says, um, you know, I've done some stuff that was big and I've done some stuff that wasn't super successful. So he did work on Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, which again was with James Olin, which is kind of how I saw some of this coming. Yeah. Um, which I did finally receive, like I talked about last week. Um, other projects, like my work with Interactive narrative mobile app Storyscape didn't plan out which of course Storyscape uh, had a beta period it officially released in like November of last year and then they turned it off in February of this year so didn't quite work out and a lot of money went into that which is pretty brutal I think that's why it failed yeah Um, Yeah, the whole goal was to have like interactive fiction games written by like real authors Um, and it turns out that that was relatively expensive when you're paying a development team to make something yeah. Paying the Writer, author really. to write a story. I mean, typically they would just... An author is like almost a one-man show, right? They write it. They have an agent that ships it to publishers, helps them make the deal. And then the publisher is like... Uh, you know, eventually one of the publishers is like, yeah, sure, we'll take it. And then you get 40 to 60% or whatever the money is, right? Yeah. So, like... I don't know. It's, it's a... It's like paying you know, for a lot much of, smaller team. Yeah, it's like paying for a lot of small teams instead yeah. of a, like a big team or like a medium-sized team. So I, I can see definitely that they probably just weren't financially prepared. Yeah. So I uh, yeah. I, I did want to say we were talking about CD Projekt, and I feel like those guys were really like it reminds me of stock trading, but with talent. You know what I mean? It, it really on. is because they're like, okay, we see this thing, you know, like a lot of places and people have not heard of this outside of our area. It's pretty cool. Let's see if we can buy it up cheap mm. and then make it into something big. Boom, they make it into, um, you know, a, a video game. And then they make the next game better. And then the last game yeah. is, like, one of the highest, one of the best RPGs of all time. Yeah. And it's it's just matured over the years. It's like they put money into a stock and just watch the numbers rise, kind of. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. Like, um, it really is like you know, let's get a handle on this and then just ride it and see what happens. Right, right. You know? And I mean it's not taking anything away from them because they put in a lot of work and they've made some fantastic uh you know, some fantastic experiences for people. Um mm. and it's allowed them to move forward. And try to do that again. Pick up something that people had heard of, but you know, not necessarily like a mainstream audience with cyberpunk. And I, I think that that's what's going to happen again. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Um, man, you I'm super like, excited to see, like, especially having a guy like this that can he can just turn around and go write 
two or three novels that are based on the new thing just to help build out the world. Oh, uh, Mike? Is that who you're talking about? Or who are you talking Drew. about? Drew. Oh, Drew for Archetype. Yeah. Right. For sure, for sure. Um, and I mean, obviously, yeah, we have like with, um, you know, Mike Pondsmith having all of this like background story with CD Projekt, you know, in the past working with, um, you know, Witcher, which is like, you know, the Polish Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah. Um, it, it really is a huge key, I think, to have, you know, if fans want to get into it. So obviously, if you look at like the Mass Effect game sales and they compare it to the Mass Effect book sales, they're not even comparable. Like the games completely cream them. Yeah. But for the fans that do want to get super into it, they can they go can. over there and, and pick those up. Thir- what is it, like 13 books at this point for The Witcher? Uh, the Witcher is like up to like eight or something. It's Isn't pretty, it? it's egregiously large number. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty big. It doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. But, I mean, moving forward, like, thinking thinking of the future, if it kind of went and panned out the same way, like, get a cyberpunk television show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Mike would be all over that. Like, he would not say no to that if Netflix was like, Oh, yeah, he would would probably do it. Yeah. Um, It's like, yeah, fuck, let's check it out. Let's see what's happening. Yeah. he, He loves the... He loves that storytelling. He loves seeing those things, like, what he sees in his head come out. And that's really cool. Yeah, and I could definitely see something of, like, let's get this guy, like, somebody who I think has been kind of, like, a hidden talent. Like, Mike Pondsmith has a following, obviously. But, like, I think that he just had so much more to offer that the world just sort of wasn't ready for. Yeah. And he's been doing uh, it a long time. Like, like a thousand years. This is not new. I mean, yeah, this is like 30 years plus yeah. in the making. I mean, his whole family's in on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't his like, son that was like, hey, you need to team up with these CD Projekt guys. They know yeah, I mean, it's his, his wife and son. Like, his wife helps run the business side. His son helps do creative stuff. Like, his son wrote the uh, Witcher uh, uh, RPG book. Nice. So it's like... It's a whole family project. And it's like... It's just such a... It's such a small... Like, they're on such a smaller scale than they should be. And like you're saying, I think they will blow up... Yeah. When the new edition of the Cyberpunk book comes out. And the new... Um, uh, the, the game, obviously, releases. Yeah. yeah. So... Definitely interesting. For sure. Alright, so... Uh, in Pokemon news... Um, Pokemon Home is now available... Um, yeah, some pretty cool stuff that today. came out with that. I have yet to check it out, um, mm. but you know, according to this game informer former article, it gives you a, a free Gen One starter and Pikachu to add to your collection, yep. which is kind of nice. Um, you know, if you don't have it, um, I know we got like a weird Professor Oak, right? He has like these arrow Correct. glasses, and he has like long, long hair. Like he has like a mullet kind of. It's business in the front, party yeah. in the back. And I've seen he's out here to whip ass and fuck grass type starters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Bulbasaur, no. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not too sure on everything that you can get in mm. there. Um, yeah. It looks like, according to uh, the CRB reports, 35 Pokemon previously not available in Sword and Shield are available available to transfer from an older game using the Pokemon Bank. Correct. So yeah, it's it's weird because it's like, okay, we have Pokemon Home, Pokemon Bank, Pokemon Expert, Pokemon, you know, Dick Holder. Like, there's so much weird 
different things that all have to work together. So, like, I have Pokemon Home. Sure. What is the simplest way for me to get my Bulbasaur from Pokemon Home into Sword and Shield? And it's like, oh, well, you get, you also buy Pokemon Bank. Yep, transfer it to the bank. And then you transfer it over to the bank, and then you connect the bank, you blah, 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 and then you switch it over in here. It's like, okay, what's the point of Home? Yeah, uh, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> what is the point yeah. of Home? What does it do? Why do I want it? So have you have you looked into it at all? Like what what is the main? I've function? I've opened it and I got my my uh, Bulbasaur and Pikachu. <laughs> That's what I've done so far. So I don't really know what the actual point of it is. I I'm gonna dive in a little bit more to try to see what it's doing, but I'm, I'm not really sure what the goal is. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm gonna have to look into this a little more just to kind of see what it's yeah. like. But we have a lot of things here. Um, there's a lot of shit that we're like testing out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's a lot, and I'm just kind of sitting here like, fucking Sims, again, yeah. again this yep. week. I'm yep. gonna try to break this habit, guys. I apologize. All right, uh, so moving right along into the next bit, uh, Square Enix, uh, their Avengers game. They have uh, you know a few more details about pre-order benefits and additions. Uh, that mm. finally came out on the 13th. Um, actually, we have a little video here, too, that we can, uh, like... Square Penix. Launch up. I know, like, I, I, I didn't see everything that came with it. Um, but it does look like uh, there's... Uh, let me see this one here. The Marvel Legacy uh, outfit pack. Uh, yeah. The Legacy nameplates... Um, online beta access and as well uh the dyna dynamic theme for your ps4 with the miss marvel talk to the hand emoji where of course it so that's work. with any pre-order any pre-order gets this one right. right um so continue on moving yep that's more about the simple pre-order the deluxe edition content um i believe to get you that you get 72 hour early access is that the same early access as the beta on ps4 no, no. This is seventy. Uh, this will be seven seventy-two hour early access to the game for it coming out. As well, right. you get the Obsidian nameplate pack and the Obsidian outfit pack for the characters. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a silver, grays, and gold. Silver, gray, and gold. Yeah. yeah. Um, the nameplate pack actually has some like has a cool like hexagonal pattern on it. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's doing like a kind of like a high tech beehive kind of idea. It looks like it's just pretty cool. And, and then the uh, the last edition, Earth's Mightiest, bad name, um, for the biggest Marvel fans, the collectors of unique items and those who want something special to commemorate Marvel's Avengers. Uh, so you get everything from the deluxe edition. Uh, you also get the Steelbook A icon, so the Avengers icon case. Uh, it also comes with. Um, Full color, twelve inch statue of Captain America, Hulk bobblehead, a mm. Mjolnir keychain, Black Widow's belt buckle, Iron Man's prototype armor blueprint, like a physical blueprint, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Kamala Khan's uh, honorary Avenger pin and a commemorative Avengers group photo from Avengers Day, right before yeah. shit went out. Correct. <clears throat> so, um, you know, your big additions there. What do, do we have prices on these boys yet? Uh, not that I saw. I don't see here on the Sony one. Um, but typically, you know, you'd be looking at the pre-order bonus for, 
like 60 bucks, um, you'd be looking at the digital deluxe, I imagine, for 79.99, roughly. Probably. Um, and then the big edition, that one can go anywhere. The, the statue is... Okay, yeah, so standard shots. is 60 obviously. Deluxe is seventy nine ninety nine. Earth's Mightiest is 200 200 Yeah, that's a little pricey. Yeah, that one's a bit much. I was going to say it's like, like one, 145 Well, I guess just the statue is probably a, a foot tall. It's a foot tall statue in full color. A third okay, of it's, it's a, a base. A third of it is a base, yeah. That's kind of fucked up, yeah. honestly. It's but that that alone is probably like eighty to hundred bucks. It looks pretty detailed, you know. Look, yeah. Looking at the looking at Steve Rogers' face, the helmet looks pretty detailed. Just I mean by itself. I mean it, it the looks easiest thing good. on here is the shield. It's it. What this is is yeah. a uh, statue of a statue in game. Correct. Of a character who did not make it. Got him. Got him. All right. Um, so now that we got through that, that was that was rough. I'm glad y'all stuck with us. Um, that, yeah. Man, that black widow belt buckle, it just you're not careful. It's it, it'll cut it right off. You know what I mean? I mean that uh, it's kind of like the Hulk bobblehead is like better than a pop vinyl, but it's like it just doesn't need to exist. Uh, the belt buckle, kind of. I mean, it looks like something you get at Hot Topic for like six bucks. The keychain of the hammer looks like something you get at Hot Topic for six bucks. Like. Yeah. The pin definitely something you can get at Hot Topic right now. <laughs> For what are, what are the pins like a buck ninety nine? Yeah, the blueprint. So it's like, the blueprint's cool. I don't know. The blueprint's really cool. The statue's okay. The lithograph. Photos fine. Photo. Oh, well, I assume it's a lithograph. I don't know. Um, yeah, whatever. But I, you know, some of the other things that you get is, of course, that beta access. You're also getting that um, um, seventy two hour early access to the game. You know, mm-hmm. depending on how. Uh, you know, raging hard you are for it. Um, You're right. I'm hard as hell. Oh, okay. I, and half as hot. <laughs> well, at least you're honest, be honest with it. yourself here, okay. out here, folks. Good Gotta for you. be honest with yourself. Good for you. All right. So, uh, moving on to something that was exciting and then an extreme letdown. There's Correct. a new Prince of Persia game, and it's a fucking VR escape game. <gasps> Oh. I mean, that's cool. It's it's fine. <laughs> uh, have you ever done so, an escape room? Uh, I have... Have I ever done an escape room? That's interesting. Have I? I've done a test of an escape room. Okay. I, I know I did one... It was a couple years ago. Um, it was a horror escape room. That was pretty fun. I, that's too spooky for me, folks. I mean, there was nobody in there. It was just like you were following like the death of like there was a secret room, and then there was like a okay, body, that's interesting. And then you're trying to figure out how to get out. It was kind of like Saw, but without the basically Saw in one. The middle. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. Spo- yeah. By the way, if you haven't seen <laughs> Saw, go fuck yourself. There- so sorry. Uh, Spinal. We we saw that trailer. Did you see that trailer? That trailer. Yeah, the new like Saw spinoff. Yeah, looks great. It's like what? The- where the fuck are we going here? I like it. But it's like, this is insanely weird. Yeah. Anyways, go watch that trailer, because that was pretty cool. Um, Correct. So, this is... What? what is, my question is, is an escape room a game? Is an escape room a game? Yes. Now, Well, it, yes, you can... It is so, a lot of escape room like designers it. are game designers? Right. So, yes, technically. But what are you doing that is... I mean, you're solving a puzzle. 
escaping. Well, you interact with it, I mean. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, my escape room was more like... I guess I did, you know, kind of like break mm. out of my mortal body and became fucking Batman for about 40 minutes. Right, that's what I'm about to do. Yeah. Break well, out of my mortal but... body. I'm going to kill myself in 10 minutes. <laughs> You're going to release this earthly vehicle? Uh-huh. That was a Heaven's Gate reference. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. That's what Heaven's Gate? Yeah. Um, <sighs> I know, I'm under... So yeah, I'm you're... Uh, it's crazy. So yeah, in uh, Prince of Persia, The Dagger of Time, a virtual reality escape room, up to four players. Uh, let's see. Your goal as a team is to escape the Fortress of Time wielding the magical dagger of note... A dagger of note. I don't like that. To solve puzzles, some requiring you to rewind time, others pushing you to speed it up. And you may even need to stop it completely. You'll also need to keep an eye on Kylina, the Empress of Time, and her army of sand monsters. Using room-scale VR, you'll need to your team to move around the room and explore and solve puzzles. Developer Ubisoft Dusseldorf has also already made two other VR escape rooms, Assassin's Creed Medusa's Gate and Assassin's Creed Escape from the Lost Pyramid, both of which sound insanely dope. Okay, so <clears throat> it does change it up, you know. I... I Man, you're not. This isn't. Is it an escape room? You're in VR the whole time. You're just yeah. sitting around. Well, that's a playing, new. So like, um, there's some. There's some cool new technology where like, they're doing like you can do like laser tag, in like VR. Is it like and just make reality? it an entire? It's like uh, they recreate the room in VR, but with like textures and shit. So it's like. In the, the actual real physical room that you're in, there's pro- everything is probably just flat and, like, painted white or whatever. You know, like, it doesn't really matter what it looks like. And then they just do all the art and everything so, in yeah, the, the VR. There's, like, an overlay. Because, right. the, you know, escape room that I did, like, I had to, like, find... It's like a real, it's like a real key. room. And then I had to take the <laughs> yeah, real key like, and, like, unlock a box and then, like, shift yeah. everything around. And, yeah, it was... I'm like, how does that work in here? So yeah, this is more of a video game, like a like a video game experience, right? Rather than I think it's weird calling it an escape room. It's like a gamey style. I'm really, really experience. Yeah, I'm really picturing the people that are like <clears throat> like hopped up in like uh, on meth. Yeah, yeah, the equivalent in like the <laughs> cyber universe, you know, where they have the VR headset on and they like live in this world now, and it's like a drug to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's weird. It's a slippery slope, folks. <laughs> You're right about that. It is. Uh, what was the price on something like this, though? They, where they? I don't know. They haven't said. I mean, what was the price on the Assassin's Creed Medusa Skate one? Let's see. I don't know. The fuck. All right. Got a little bit of a look here. Loading it on up. Oh, and we have a video. Okay. The audio is a little spicy. On the video? video, The video will not load for shit. Holy shit, coming to the following locations. They have quite a few. Why isn't Grim doing this? There's like two of them around. Bruh. I'm going to need to zoom out a little bit on this bad boy. Ooh. There's some over here. In the U.S. I'm zooming in, folks. Oh, fuck, I have to go to Pittsburgh? God damn it. Oh, it says there's one right here. Just come and hang out. Flights are cheap sometimes. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. I gotta zoom in a bit more. It's down by Dr. Phillips. 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's gonna be you know, a fun weekend. Oh, uh, dude. <clears throat> they have one in Boston. I might be doing this when I'm in Boston. Hell yeah. <laughs> what was the other one? The other one was uh, the Dagger of... No, Lost Pyramid. The Dagger of Time. Dagger of Your one. Mama's Ass. I don't think that's what it is. Oh, about. dude, they... <laughs> that's not right. It looks like these guys in Boston closed permanently in December of 2019. Wait, you get to change your fuck? clothes. Hey, I'm down with that. That's I'm going to cool. change my clothes right now. Like, all like all four of your characters kind of, like, walk up to different objects and, like, you can put them on your head and try, like, I want to wear dope. this hat and look like an asshole. That's sick. That's pretty cool. That's so fucking cool. This is interesting. Guys, we just might have figured it out. Um, Holy shit. There is not a fucking look at any sort of price, though, because it's probably... I'm creaming. $4 million. Two to four Oh, players. perfect. Only $4 million. I can do that. Wait. There's technical requirements. Excuse me? You can just download this. But dude, <laughs> am I just going to go do this in my fucking extra room? Are you going to do it in your underwear? <laughs> I, well, I already did that. I was going to do sorry, that anyway, folks. so it's fine. So sorry. All right, so I think that's uh, that's enough looking at. If we end up going to do it, like... I'm going to fucking hook up a GoPro and just catch the whole show. Hell yeah. We, we should probably get some... Of GoPro. me walking around in a weird, empty room. <laughs> we need to be able to make that a tax write-off us buying GoPros, I think. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll move on. Uh, PlayStation 5... Uh, well, you wrote that they were having some pricing difficulties. Uh, well, basically, it's um, there's like a lot of competition, I guess, in the solid state. So it says uh, competition for DRAM and NAND flash memory. So solid state uh, flash, basically. Yeah. Um, I absolutely will not click on the original source of Bloomberg because he can eat my whole ass. <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, basically, the uh, the manufacturing cost of the PlayStation Five manufacturing only. Is about four hundred and fifty dollars. It seems like yeah. So that 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 <laughs> that that hurts. Yeah. Um, like, and it's it's um, true that they don't typically make a bunch of money back on the console itself. Like, no. You know the the software is the driver. Like, you give people the iPod for one hundred and fifty bucks, and then they have to go pay you, you know, buck ninety or buck twenty nine or whatever for every new song they get. Like, right. So, you hook them in with the device. Looking, so we're thinking maybe five hundred dollars. So yeah, yeah, that's what that's where I'm thinking. That's where a lot of people yeah. are landing. Um, yeah. I'm. I, I we we know from retail working retail that the overhead at the retail place that we work, they mm. got the systems for about three dollars less than what they sold them for. They made about three dollars yeah. on the system. So. Literally three dollars profit. Yeah. Now, the game so, model, they would also make um, about $2 per new game, but the used game is where, the, you know, the used game market is where the, mm-hmm. you know, the retail location would make all of its money. As, Correct. you know, um, th- they could regulate the cost, how many they had, how much it's worth. Um, yeah. That's kind of to be expected now. I mean, um, so that's the, the new stuff just doesn't come with a big dollar tag that's why i'm thinking 500 is going to be it and i don't know if xbox is going to be able to match that i don't think they're going to be like well ours is going to be 450 or 300 yeah like i don't see yeah. that being uh, or 400 or whatever you know i don't see that being likely um right i don't know so i mean the main strategy apparently right now is like you said they're going to just kind of wait and see god damn and just be like okay what what is is uh you know xbox 
going to be priced at, and then we'll see if we can cut under them. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only thing that they could do is, you know, cut that down to, you know, 460 or something. Make 10 bucks mm-hmm. on it. I don't think they could do that, though. I think they would have to make it at least 475 to make it worth their while. Yeah, I could. I would see. I, I think it's smart to go in at weirder price. Like, I think it's time for games to jump to, like a sixty-five or seventy, 70. like flat out. Yeah, price point. I agree. Probably seventy, but I see a lot of ability to just add in weird pricing. Yeah. To do like if they did five twenty-five, is anybody really going to be hurting over that extra twenty-five dollars? Right. As you know? well, like. You know, games should probably do that. Like, hey, we put in this seventy-two fifty. Yeah, exactly. This is the price point that we came up with. You know, we don't have is to anybody, round it. Yeah, I mean, is anybody really going to lose out on? You know, the difference between a sixty-dollar game and let's even say like six, uh, like sixty-seven fifty. Is anybody going to say no because there's an additional ten percent tacked on? No, doubtful. No, you know what I mean. It's that's your sales tax. Yeah, we're used to paying tax. So like so. Right. So what was the what was the usual number after the tax was like sixty five oh four or something like that? Like we would always hit. Yeah. Like I I knew the number in my heart before I rang it up because we hit it so often, and it's like that would just you would just then have to add tax on top of that again. Sixty four oh four, right? Uh, yeah, it was like, like something I, I remember like that. It being sixty four. Yeah, I think sixty four oh four. That sounds right. Sixty four oh four sounds right. <clears throat> so it's like that it was like you know four oh five in taxes basically. So like you would just add that on again. Because, like, where it's at now is just not... Like, video games make a shit ton of money, don't get me wrong. But um, the the additional work that's being having to be put in to make these games marketable, basically, is making it really hard to get that money back. So then, again, we can turn around and look at Spaceland and say, this is a small team. Their their costs are way lower because, I, as far as I can tell, they're not super upfront about it, but it seems like they're in uh, Ukraine. So, like... You know, they're unless they live in uh, Kiev, it's you know cheaper cost of living. Which even if they are, you know, Kiev, I'm sure doesn't even measure up to like uh, Chicago or something in the U.S. Sure, uh, certainly no like London, right? Definitely. Not. So like, um, they're able to cut, save a little money. There's fewer employees, I'm sure. Um, I think when I looked at their about, there's only a couple people, but like, you know, they're able to run a lot leaner ships, so they can sell something at like twenty bucks pop. Or something like that. Yeah. So, like, um, these big AAA games cannot sell shit at, you know, 20 bucks pop, certainly. And they, they really are starting to have a lot of trouble doing uh, 60. I mean, yeah. a lot of sure. games come out. They expect you to just buy, like, the default version of the game is the uh, limited edition or whatever, which is, like, 70 to 80 bucks. Like, that's what they expect everyone to buy. So... You know, it's. I think it is time to move that point up a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And maybe this generational and change like, is the time to do it. And man, I don't know. I don't think it's going to change this generation um, I, as much as I would like it to, because I want people to understand. It's not something that people do, though. Like they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, uh, like last night, I went to an independent wrestling show. And these independent yeah. wrestlers, before the show, were sitting out at a little booth selling some of their merch. Right? And I walked up to one of them and I was like, hey, you know, do you have this? And he's like, see, I have them at home. I don't have them with me. Um, 
but he was still trying to like you know talk to me a little bit about you know buying this thing other other stuff that he had yeah right um and it like you don't realize how hard these guys work for something like this and that i i know that if i would have bought that shirt from him um like if he had had it there i would have bought it from him he didn't have it there Mm -hmm. um he he just he's like i only have a few sizes left and i know another spot that i can go and buy this from um probably for less to be honest but you know it came down to the fact that he just didn't have it there if he would have had it there and he would have handed it to me i would have bought it yeah yeah um and i probably would have bought it for probably about 15 percent more right i mean it's it's very similar to like bands selling merch right it's like that is where they actually make money and it's like i i would have bought it for more not because like you know like i got it from him or whatever any of that dumb bullshit I would have bought it for more because I appreciate what they're doing. You know, right. I, you have to support the company and the things that you like. And, you know, yeah. video games it's not are... not free, unfortunately. Yeah, video games are no different. You, like, and that's why people are like, oh, man, like, we hear it from... Like, I hear it from Grimm quite often. Oh, mate, you're crazy, you know, buying that collector's edition. I was like, I fucking like what they do. I, right. I, I don't go out and buy it for, you know... I like the extras that come with it, but I also like what these guys do. Yeah. So it's yeah. You know, I mean, I it, it is like them at the highest at the highest level, and I can't just go, "Hey, here's you know, like sixty bucks for nothing, literally nothing, just for being you." Know, I have to buy something that they make, right? So yeah. although that would be interesting if they just set up like donate to us if you like what we do. Yeah, I, I don't know if that currently exists. It'd probably get some really negative feedback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think indie has a big. Market they they could open up for that they kind of have that with like Indiegogo and like right. uh, Kickstarter yeah Patreon, Patreon and stuff like that yeah um, but yeah I mean it comes down to you have to support you have to support it and system wise I I like where the systems are at like I, I'm thinking back and it's like it's gonna seem like a dream that we paid uh, you know four hundred bucks for the like PlayStation or whatever yeah, that's what that's what it came I out mean, right was that like four hundred yeah. yeah that seems Ins- like insane to me looking forward that we're probably going to end up paying like 500 if not more yeah for the next year and i mean so. it's it's uh you know these as these things become more and more powerful they're technically gaming pcs at this point they're just with custom firmware custom firmware so like yeah it, it's a little it's definitely a lot more restricted but right yeah um, but uh it's getting more expensive we're you know we're 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 getting there we're uh you know, talking about, hey, this is how much it costs to make. We have no official... Here's the parts? Yeah. We, I mean, we can... We, you can literally be like, here's the exact part numbers. Yeah, we can put it together and we can see how much it costs, obviously, that 450 right. So, uh, knowing on how the industry goes, it's probably going to be 500 I don't think they'd have the nutsack to say 600 um, I think uh, yeah, that, I that would hurt them pretty, pretty big. And Xbox, too much... That would be a repeat of the... Uh... PS3. The uh, PS3 era, right? Right. Um, I know they're not that silly. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see it at 500 We're going to see the Xbox come out probably the exact same price. I don't know if they're... I don't think that they're going to cut it down. If they do, they're going to cut it by 10 bucks, and it's going to be something silly like, oh, get it day one and get $10 off. Um, right. But, yeah, it, 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 it is what it is. But, you know, support the things that you're super into. And video games are it. I mean, as we've said before, you can't even, especially going into this next generation, be picky. Like yeah. you, you need to support 
you know, the things that you like. And if you really like PlayStation, support that PS5. If you really like Xbox, support that, you know, um, Series X. If you like both of them, you know what you got to do. They're both. You know what you got to do. Buy a Switch Pro. Start saving now. Yeah, buy, yeah. buy a Switch Pro. <laughs> so, um, diving back in, um, we got the intro cinematic released for... Uh, Final Fantasy 7 oh, which you can actually nice. do a shot by shot comparison with the original loved it um, which is pretty cool it's really it looks cool. I mean it, it kind of makes Advent Children like suck ass a little bit yeah <laughs> like it's absolutely amazing looking it's it's, it, oh God, it's, it's, it's at a quality stunning. bar that I wasn't even expecting it, yeah I, I could not I don't I am in disbelief that this game will look like this when I put it in my system. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sitting it, it really is up. almost like, uh, I don't know if this is humanly possible. Yeah. It looks so good. And this game, but, uh, yeah. it, it went from, like, there's been a lot of ups and downs with this game. I, like, I love it. I can't wait for it. Okay, it's been too long. Uh, like, what is it? You know, where What's are we going? What's the actual goal? Yeah. Is it really just a remake? Yeah. These visuals melt all of those, like, almost all that disbelief away. And I yep. just go, I need to see this. I need to see this with my own eyeball holes. Yep. Uh, like, the detail is so beyond, like, what you could expect. Because mm-hmm. you've already seen this once. and But you yeah. just saw it as such a lower quality that it's... Just kind of un- it's kind of unreal. Yeah, it really does. I mean, the level of detail that we're seeing, and again, I mean, this is you know Square Enix busting out their big guns. Uh-huh. They've always been super ahead on terms of visuals and stuff like that. But it, it is almost like I, I almost can't believe my eyes. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, and not only that, they're really pulling on the like almost like. Um, dystopian future mm-hmm. strings that people are like super into right now yeah and good on them for doing that like it's 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 insanely exciting to see these to see these characters to see the side by side like i really recommend you watch it watch this alone and then watch it side by side um yep. it just like the side by side is amazing it's so good like it's shocking so i haven't got I haven't heard anyone say the name. What, what are they calling her? Are they calling her Aerith or Eris? That's an interesting question. Yeah, see, I think officially she was Aerith in the U.S. Was that right? Yes. And then she was Eris in uh, the original, like non-ported to the U.S. version. Right. Um, alternately known with the first name Eris. So there's not really a big communication of why she's known by different names i guess yeah um but yeah Aerith is the official name but yeah they're you know they're um like everything they're they're uh like cloth physics they're uh you know hair physics they're like even their skin texture like the texture for the skin like yeah the wetness the dirtiness the smoke it has uh, you know, it's it's really, really good looking while being ugly at the same time. Uh-huh. It's like, it's, it, 
It's, well, you have to be a. It's like one of those things. Like, if you're an actor and you're going to like sing really badly in a scene, you have to be a really good actor to be a bad singer in a in an episode of something. You know what right. I mean? Like, uh, it's that type of thing where like to to appear to be a complete moron, you have to be kind of smart. It's that type of thing. Sure. So it, they've made it grimy. They made it grungy, cyberpunky. Definitely. Super excited. Super excited for it. Yeah, yeah. So definitely go check out that uh, you know that video if you haven't yet. Um, it's it's you know it's about five minutes long. It's not bad, um, but you'll be like you'll you'll be pretty you'll be pretty stoked with it if you're a seven fan, Final Fantasy fan, if you're a dystopian future fan, if you're even the style of that like combat. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna be into it. Um, so with that, we are rounding out the last two articles that we had here. Um, one that I threw in cause I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, over this past week, we did have, uh, the dice summit, the 2020 dice summit. Um, yeah. and on the stage, uh, who was up there? It was Jessica Choba and Greg Miller. We're the hosts, I think, for this year. Had a bunch of people there, you know, all of them coming out and talking about what's going on. Um, uh, Untitled Goose Game did win. Yep, and it had its own little award show. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. looking away from the award show and just talking about things that were spoke to and about, um, Disney had a bit to say. Um, uh, Sean Shopto, the senior VP of Games uh, and Interactive Experience at Disney, uh, he gave an update on the studio's new approach to gaming, emphasizing uh, original storytelling uh, and reimagining classic characters and settings. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things he said was, uh, I'm here for uh, one specific reason, to empower you to do something, or to do really unique things with our catalog uh, that excelled, uh, or the exec told the, you know, the, the whole crowd at the conference. We want to tap into the power of the creatives across the industry. Um, making uh, note and exampling EA and Respawn Entertainment Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order as well as 2018's Marvel Spider-Man which fucking killed it selling 3.3 million units in the first three days which makes it the fastest selling first party Sony title uh, in history Um, Mm -hmm. it it, uh, with this um, you know a lot of people are like what is being asked um, Disney mm-hmm. is we, we've gave them shit for a long time for you know basically pushing into the monopoly territory even though you right. know it's not really possible for them to do that they buy a lot of stuff but there's no way that we could see them you know flip over and buy every tech that they want to own it's just right you know at some point it's a lot the, uh, the, it's so and it's a lot of really heavily entrenched companies too right right so what Disney wants to do is, um, and you know, the way that it seems they like to work, especially with video games, is to not get their hands dirty. They don't like to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. They really like to, you know, work with a company that allows a developer to do their thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it's weird, but thinking of EA like a middleman between Disney and Respawn for Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Because that's kind of how it's working. Um, but they're not just talking about video games. They're also talking about uh, television series, um, movies, you know, pretty much everything. Um, 
they, Disney has access to a, a lot of stuff. So yeah. they're not just talking about Star Wars. They're not just talking about Marvel. You know, they're talking about um, the television series. Like they mentioned Bob's Burgers. Um, movies like Avatar. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of things and a lot of directions we can go. And it's it they, they didn't say this. You know, this is not what they said. But it's the way that I'm kind of taking it is that they're open to opening the floodgates to allow other developers to work on things, you know, as long as everything, um, you know, lines up properly for Disney and, of course, the developer and uh, publisher. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, pretty cool that they're really looking forward to, uh, you know, allowing other developers to do that. Um, Another long-term partnership that they kind of, spoke up spoke about they've worked with um square enix over the past two decades of course for kingdom hearts um working with our friends at disney through uh, our nearly 20-year relationship has produced something that neither of us could have accomplished alone said kingdom hearts 3 producer um shinji hashimoto um my man my man uh the disney pixar team have provided us invaluable support uh, and helping us realize our creative vision throughout this beloved saga. And that, my friends, is exactly what Disney should be doing. They're good. Right. Like, I, I've always heard, you know, when you first start looking into the video game industry, people are like, oh, I have all these great ideas, you know. And a lot of people go, like, a lot of people who don't know, they're like, I want to be an idea person. I want to create ideas yeah. for video games. And it's like, that's not a job. That's not something. Well, not only do. that, but. Also, you don't, because then when somebody's like, oh, hey, we have to cut your favorite part. <laughs> right, right. You're like, excuse me? Uh, it's because a lot of these people are thinking that it's a small team. I'm going to create this game my whole self. And the right. only time you Not can anything. ever do that is if you're making, like, the game yourself. If you're making Stardew Valley. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but Disney is, in this sense, that person. We're the idea person. We create the ideas. Yeah. And then we work with you to, you know, realize the vision that you're trying to get across. It's it's pretty interesting. Um, so, you know, we'll see more on this. I'm really hoping we see, um, you know, especially like the Star Wars license open up. We see, um, you know, like some more Marvel stuff. You know, pretty much like Disney has so many properties that it could go forward with. And so many cool mm. things could happen from different studios who have never had a shot at it before. Like, yeah. it would be really cool to see some, you know, like, you know, I, I don't want to use Star Wars, but, I mean, we had that thirteen thirteen game that was shaping up to look, it was looking yep. really cool. And it would be cool to get, you know, stuff like that. It would be cool to get things like, um, like X-Men Legends you know, back into, you know, what it was. I know we just had um, Ultimate Alliance 3, but I don't know why that just, it didn't, it didn't hit the right, it was fun, it was really fun, but yeah, it felt, it didn't really nail it for it, me. It didn't nail it the way I wanted it to, but yeah. um, I, I just, I want to see more. As we were saying, you know, you have a bunch of companies, give it a shot, you know, one of them is bound to have something that, that's lasting and right. good. Um. So it's the Warhammer model. Warhammer model, yeah. Yeah, just hey, license it, do your thing for sure. All right, and then last but not least, uh, some big funds being thrown around. Um, 
I think this was across the last week, right? That it was announced on how much Insomniac. Uh, that Somni yeah, it was during Somniac. a. Uh, it was during an investor call, I guess, or a financial report from Sony. Yeah, latest financial report. We know Insomniac's price. Uh huh. <sighs> Big two hundred and twenty nine million. Yeah. Um, Which Sony paid in mostly cash. Mostly cash, um, and then some of it was, uh, you know, like, probably in, um, you know, kind of like promises on things that'll happen, mm. I, I imagine. Um, so Sony now owns, um, of course, as we know, Insomniac. So that brings Ratchet and Clank, Spyro, um, the new Spider-Man that they worked on, and even Sunset Overdrive IP um, that belongs to Sony bully at this point um mm -hmm. which is pretty cool uh you know that they're having them work on something uh for the ps5 and mm -hmm. yeah that's that's really awesome um I, I mean i don't know how awesome it is for everyone as someone who is going to be picking up probably both of the new consoles it's awesome for me uh, it's awesome yeah. for gamers because it you know they don't have to look around anymore uh, Insomniac doesn't go, doesn't have to go. Okay, who's gonna pay us the most for Sunset Overdrive? You know, like they mm -hmm. probably did when some, they were looking at the new idea of Sunset Overdrive. Um, so it, it's yeah, it's it's wild, and uh, hopefully, um, hopefully we see some more quality stuff along the lines of that uh, Spider-Man game from 2018. Because fuck, that was amazing. Mm. Yeah. Um, the Polygon article here is complaining, uh, but still no follow-up to Ratchet and Clank. Um, That's funny. Yeah, People love Ratchet and Clank. I mean, I like it, but it's not, you know, one of my friends, she used to call it mind, just mindless violence. Because <laughs> she's just running mm -hmm. around bashing, bashing robots to death. Um, Damn. But yeah, uh, those numbers are pretty big, showing that, you know, Sony is willing to support um, the people who are willing to you know, work for them and put out good quality in their name. Mm -hmm. So that pretty much wraps up the show. Um, I don't have anything more. I actually need to uh, uh, <laughs> go sit down with Dream for about 19 hours to get everything figured out. Um, yeah, I'm super interested. Yeah. Uh, so thank you guys. Thanks for joining us as always. Um, if you get the chance, head over to facebook.com backslash Mammoth Games Inc. Check out all the top news and video game stuff over there. Follow us on Twitter at Mammoth Games Inc. so you know when we go live. And please go check out our website, mammothgamesinc.com. You can get everything you hear uh, on the podcast there. You can actually check out um, all of our YouTube, uh, most of our social medias, and uh, exclusive um, blog posts that are going to be going up. Articles, um, reviews, previews, and more. So, uh, you know, thanks guys. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, for Mammoth Games, Inc., I am Night Swarm. And I'm Filtercord. Have a good one.